Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. You found us. Truth seekers, come on in, rest a spell, warm yourself by the fire. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. And when I was lining up tonight's broadcast, I wasn't even aware that next week, at least up here north of the 49th, next week is officially Emergency Preparedness Week. And once again, the conspiracy show is ahead of the curve because we're going to talk about the possibility of a natural or even man-made calamity heading our way. Michael Malouf uh, will join us momentarily to talk about the possibility of an imminent and major EMP event. EMP, what is EMP? Electromagnetic pulse event, which, as you'll learn shortly, would have catastrophic consequences on all of us who reside here in the New World, North America. So, uh, in advance of Emergency Preparedness Week, we'll talk about emergency preparedness. Because if we wait until Emergency Preparedness Week, it could be too late. The black ops and the rogue elements always stage false flag operations during such, time, uh, such times. Have you noticed? Remember the assassination attempt on Dutch Reagan. It was staged during a continuity of governance drill. And the London bombings, there was a drill going on in the tube at the time. Boston Marathon, there were rumblings that there, uh, there was an anti-terror drill going on. So there you go. And one of the greatest threats staring us in the face right now is one that's not getting the attention it deserves. And I'm talking about the threat of a major electromagnetic pulse event. A major EMP would essentially fry every piece of electronics in its path, including the electrical grid. Were such an EMP event to occur, think about it. I mean, we would be thrown back to horse and buggy days in a matter of moments. And the lights would be out for a very extended period of time. We're not talking just 72 hours. That's what they're, during emergency preparedness week, you'll see all of these PSAs and you'll see the posters. You need to prepare for 72 hours. Have enough fresh water and food. Batteries for your flashlights. Prepare for 72 hours until the good, nice people from the government can get there and deliver the services again. But we're not talking about 72 hours if there's a major EMP event. We're talking possibly years, maybe a decade. No lights. Imagine. The catastrophic results on a society so dependent on electricity. Never mind your addiction to your smartphone and, and uh, we. We're talking about a long-term interruption in the delivery of goods and services essential to life. Hospitals, police, fire services, communication, transportation systems, the delivery of fresh water and food, the delivery of health care. None of these things happen without electricity. It would all come to a grinding halt. So now you're probably asking yourself, what the heck is an EMP? How does it happen? How likely is it to occur? What will really happen after such an event occurs? What's being done about this imminent threat? Well, for the next 45, 50 minutes, we're going to discuss all of that and more. Michael Malouf is a former senior security policy analyst in the Office of the Secretary of Defense in the United States. He is the author of A Nation Forsaken, EMP, The Escalating Threat of an American Catastrophe. Michael, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I'm very good, Richard. Thank you for having me. I was just reading recently how uh, state lawmakers in Arizona 
are making uh, are moving to make sure that the people in the state of Arizona are prepared uh, for such an event, an EMP, or it could be a nuclear a nuclear strike. But essentially, what they're saying, if you read the legislation, is they're telling the people of Arizona, "You're on your own, folks." Well, let's discuss exactly what an EMP threat is, and. Um, I mean, my understanding is there are, there are a couple of ways that that, com- that could come about, an EMP, mm-hmm. an electromagnetic pulse event. Let's talk about, first of all, a solar flare or a, a mass coronal ejection. Well, an electromagnetic pulse is a, a high-intensity burst of uh, electromagnetic energy caused by the rapid acceleration of charged particles. They are so powerful and uh, supercharged that they can uh, knock out or completely fry any unprotected electronics or electrical systems depending upon its intensity and its directness in terms of whether it hits you directly or, or just glances off. The aurora borealises that we see, for example, are, uh, are solar flares from the sun, for example, that come close to the uh, Earth but uh, don't quite hit it. Sometimes it will affect our communications. Uh, if they're intense enough, they can uh, affect uh, even the um, uh, our satellites. They can affect our. Uh, they can even affect the astronauts on the space station. And last week uh, uh, we had a we had a, a, a massive yes, solar did. flare that knocked out radios. Uh, I guess it was in the Pacific, the Pacific Rim. Yep. And I might add that the higher you go in the in the uh, latitude, like where you all are, it's going to be even more intense because of your uh, positioning to the uh, North Pole. So that that uh, magnetic the magnetic pole. So it's uh, uh, it, it's anything in the western hemisphere certainly would be affected uh, greatly, and that's from a that's just from a natural cause uh, from solar flares, uh, and NASA has predicted our, our National Aeronautic and Space Administration, along with our National Academy of Sciences, say that if we had a direct hit from uh, a, a solar flare. Um, it w- some of which can be some, some on the magnitude of 14 to 20 times the size of the Earth. That's how massive these things can be. But if we got a direct hit, if it cost $2 trillion in the first year, just in the United States alone, it would uh, take 4 to 10 years possibly to recover, and it would uh, affect, I love that word, affect, uh, about 90% of uh, the U.S. population. Namely, people would... Uh, die of starvation. Right. Effect of, of means medical causes. Right. Effect means death. Right. Ninety yes. percent within the first 90%. year. Uh, yes. What and a it would nightmare! Wipe out your. It would virtually wipe out your urban centers because urban centers are much more dependent than your than your uh, rural areas uh, for for the electricity. Although there would be some some uh, uh, burden on them too, but they would probably stand a better chance uh, simply because they're able to grow their own, people are able to grow their own food oftentimes, they're able to go out hunting and what have you, uh, but you, you, but there are other risks, you're going to have, you could have marauding uh, 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 gangs, for example, right. going for the, ha- the have-nots, going after the haves. Yeah, that thin uh, veneer of civility, uh, people, uh, mm-hmm. you know, think, oh, how neighborly they were when the lights went out the last time, but that thin veneer of civility disappears after about, I'm guessing, what, maybe a week? Uh, less than that. Less than uh, that. It begins within hours. Uh, you know, when 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 we when we have natural uh, disasters, 
uh, grocery stores, for example, in the urban areas are stocked maybe for three days of food. The shelves are cleared out within hours. Right. So, it's, uh, it, and and on top of that, in your urban centers, they because of their dependency on on life sustaining critical infrastructures such as uh, food and water delivery, your sanitation, what have you, disease will be a secondary cause. Also, uh, uh, EMP can affect uh, the the flow of of natural gas and oil through the pipelines because of the uh, because they would uh, have an impact on the automated control systems that we just take for granted. Right, they could get knocked out. As a consequence, you're going to have uh, uh, unexpected uh, explosions and fires. So the the the, uh, the, the repercussions be a cascading effect uh, of disaster. Water filtration could, plants. Water filtration correct. plants are dependent on on electricity. So no fresh water. That's correct. That's correct. Now, we had, uh, we had such an event, um, uh, but we didn't notice it back in the, was it the 1850s? It was called the Carrington event, but nobody really noticed. Why was that? That's correct. That's correct. And I think Quebec had an uh, outage in uh, 1989 from a solar flare, in fact, that affected the hydroelectric uh, facility up there. That impact, that, I think some 6 million people were affected by that uh, over a course of uh, days and weeks. And and it had and again it began to come on down the U.S. East Coast. And uh, if it weren't for, I believe, the station and the, the substation in Allegheny, New York, wasn't able to uh, was able to stop it. Uh, otherwise, it would have taken out the whole East Coast as well. Michael Maloof is with us, the author of A Nation Forsaken, EMP, The Escalating Threat of an American Catastrophe, right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. We'll uh, take a time out and come back and discuss with Michael uh, how exactly these power grids are affected. How interconnected are they? And it's not just the delivery of electricity to your home. What about our national defense systems? How vulnerable would we be to outside incursions or attack were such an event were to occur. The threat of an electromagnetic pulse event is real, but what is being done about it? We'll find out when we come back. Stay with us. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. The solar storm of 1859, uh, also known as the Carrington event, was this powerful geomagnetic solar storm uh, during what's called a solar cycle 10. And a solar flare or coronal mass ejection hit our uh, magnetosphere and induced the largest known solar storm, uh, which was observed and recorded by Richard C. Carrington, hence the name the Carrington Super Flare. Uh, The thing is that it wasn't readily apparent to a lot of people, unless you happen to be a telegraph uh, operator, in which case you may have been electrocuted. Um, And uh, that was because, think about it, in 1859, we weren't that dependent on electricity. But imagine a solar cycle 10, a coronal mass ejection hitting the Earth today. Well, that's what's staring us in the face. And that's not the only way it can happen as we are about to discuss, uh, discuss with Michael Malouf, the author of A Nation Forsaken, EMP, The Escalating Threat of an American Catastrophe. All right, uh, let's quickly discuss the other way an EMP could hit our shores. Well, the other way would be man-made. Uh, and this is generally from a high-altitude nuclear explosion. Uh, the, when it, we're, we're watching North Korea very, very closely right now. They, they just announced that they can... Uh, uh, 
uh, launch a missile that uh, can go 10,000 10, miles, but it doesn't have to do that. All they have to do is orbit a uh, satellite, and that satellite in turn could become the nuclear weapon, and it could be orbiting around 150 miles, and that thereby gives them the uh, capability to uh, to explode it at that at that height on command uh, anywhere in the world, and and this is something we've been watching. Uh, if you'll recall, North Koreans uh, last uh, in December of 12, 2012, following a nuclear test, uh, began to make overt um, uh, uh, threats to the United States of of, uh, of 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 attacking the United States without without warning. And they also uh, made videos showing nuclear explosions in Washington and New York City. And uh, this, this, uh, the, the the question was, what, what, why are they doing this, and and uh, and and how are they doing this, and how will they deliver it? And uh, again, that that satellite that that they were able to successfully orbit could become, in effect, a nuclear weapon. Now, the testing that they've been doing has been low yield, and and, and purposely so because what our uh, intelligence community is suggesting is that. Uh, that low yield really is not so much to, for for uh, damage that you would have from a normal nuclear explosion, a large one of uh, considerable numbers of kilotons, but it, it's it's designed to be made into what we call a super EMP, which uh, emits uh, tremendous amounts of gamma rays, more so than than uh, the normal. Uh, nuclear device would. So in, in the and, case of an EMP, bigger is not necessarily better when it comes to a nuclear bomb. That's right. The more, the more, the more gamma rays that it can emit, the more damage it will do. And, and gamma rays are a form of electromagnetic uh, energy, just like uh, X-rays and uh, uh, your, your radars. Radars emit a, uh, a microwave, and, and that you could put a, a, a terrorist could put a a radar in the back of a truck, aim it at a building, and knock out electronics. And the thing is, you wouldn't know where it came from. And unfortunately, we have websites today that tell people how you can make an EMP weapon and how to upgrade it so that oh it my. becomes to, so to, to scale so that it could be even more forceful. So 150 and miles something. above the Earth—that's the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of yeah. That's anywhere from 150 to 300 miles. Uh, the higher you go, the the more coverage you get. And uh, if, if it's ex- if exploded over Kansas, it would cover all the continental United States. It's and been about, it's, uh, it's been suggested that, um, and, and I'm sure you've heard this uh, discussed, that you know you could commandeer a large aircraft. Oh, let's say a Boeing 777, and place some small nuclear device on there and fly it over and detonate it. Uh, above the United States somewhere. Is that feasible? Uh, well, I think it would be difficult because you, all the planes have to be uh, accounted for, and I, I think it would be shot down, hopefully. But uh, Just like yeah, on 9-11? You can, do it with, you can do it with drones, sure. Yeah, you can do it with drones. Uh, Boeing just conducted a, a, a test in which they had EMP equipment that was aimed at a building and knocked out Every computer in that building, and uh, and uh, just just by flying a drone over, and it doesn't have to be a nuclear weapon per se. It can be a device that uh, emits uh, these these uh, 
ter- terrific amounts of uh, uh, microwaves. That's basically what they did to take out every computer in that building. It was a test. All right. But it was effective. Well, there's there's an awful lot of chatter right now, and I mentioned the uh, the uh, the Arizona state legislators right. basically telling people, why is there all this chatter? Is there something we're not being told? Is this how well, yeah, how imminent is this threat? Well, I think I think given the unsettledness of the world world order these days, I think people are becoming increasingly concerned. Uh, anything can set off any uh, anybody at any time. Any country with a with a rocket and with a nuclear device is capable of launching an EMP. Your Russians, your Chinese, the Iranians, the uh, North Koreans, the, the Pakistanis, the, the the Indians, even the Israelis, they all know about EMP and they all got a nuclear capability. And and if even even if we get it, even if let's for example say that the Pakistanis and the Iran and the uh, Indians got into it and exchanged nuclear devices. It, it would affect the world uh, because, the, and uh, not only because of the uh, radiation, but also because of high altitude. And they're very aware of EMPs. So, uh, given the unsettledness of things, and I might add, our air, air defense systems, our missile defense systems, are not up to par in the United States. Now, the, the, the North Koreans, uh, and I would say that, that those systems that we have are aimed toward the North Pole area, should there be a satellite or a, or a rocket coming in from the North Pole. But what we've seen is that the, the North Koreans test going over the, the, the South Pole, and we do not have uh, uh, missile defenses from that direction. And I would add that uh, because we don't have missile defenses, a number of our folks have been uh, talking about uh, uh, having our Aegis uh, anti-missile defense systems uh, on, on our ships and on our land, be able to uh, take take it out. There was a test of the Aegis system uh, about two years ago, in which it was uh, it, it successfully intercepted a, a, a rocket uh, coming into the United coming into back into the atmosphere. It was, it was about 150 miles. It had a lot of chemicals on it, and it was one of those rockets that. Uh, uh, basically fell out of orbit and was heading back to Earth, and it was successfully destroyed. So the, as an interim measure, we're, we're talking about maybe trying to get more Aegis systems uh, either on, sea, at, on, the, on the sea or on the, on the land to be aimed more toward the South Pole area, uh, just in case the North Koreans want to do that. Now, you don't need, uh, you don't need uh, to have that either. You can have... Uh, a freighter off the coast and uh, shoot up a missile, uh, uh, just a Scud missile with a rocket or with a, uh, a nuclear device on it, uh, and, uh, and and exploded over the, uh, the megapolis, let's say, from uh, in the United States, from uh, uh, Boston to uh, Washington, one of our heaviest population areas. It would knock out the eastern grid. We have three grids in the United States. It would knock out the eastern grid, but the eastern grid. Uh, services some seventy percent of the U.S. population. Now, how is it that I mean we can perhaps you know defend uh, against uh, a nuclear uh, uh, device which might produce an EMP, but we can't necessarily defend against a solar flare unless we take right. measures to shield our electronics and our grids. And and you know right. why haven't we taken measures to properly well, shield our grid system? Well, that's why I wrote the book. Uh, the federal government, U.S. federal government, has known about this problem for years. They've known about it since the 1960s. 
and uh, and I called the book a nation forsaken because the federal government basically has let people down. DHS is very aware of it. The U.S. Defense Department is very aware of of EMPs. Uh, we we cannot get the DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, to make EMP attack one of their 15 planning scenarios. Now, those planning scenarios are very important because if there is an event, uh, th- then then those those scenarios are kicked into effect on how to proceed. And the problem is is that at the state and local levels. Those, the first responders and the emergency services in the, in the United States, in, in the states of the United States, uh, take their lead from the uh, federal DHS. And if the DHS isn't going to do anything, they're not going to do anything. Right now, this minute, uh, states are ill-prepared. <clears throat> Even first responders are ill-prepared to deal with an EMP. And with an EMP, you have to assume all of your electronics and all of your communications goes out. And that would also include your emergency vehicles. Uh, uh, I, I heard testimony uh, last, last year uh, from uh, uh, first responders in uh, Massachusetts in which uh, they said that uh, if their trucks were affected by an EMP, they would, they would be knocked out. They wouldn't be able to respond. And if you don't have the communications, then, then, the, then the question is, what do people do? And my, again, my, I called the book a nation forsaken because the federal government has let people down. Now what we're doing, a number of us, uh, at the uh, uh, through an EMP coalition that we've established and also through the EMP caucus in the U.S. House of Representatives, we're trying to get states of the United States now to take that initiative. And that's what has begun. It, it, last year in February of last in June of last year, Maine, state of Maine, uh, did pass wanted to require hardening of their uh, hardening of the grid. Now, what Arizona just did was to um, uh, at least tell people to be prepared and what to do on an individual basis and with your families. Uh, and and the and and this is this is one of the things I raise in my book toward the end of it. Uh, what you can do at the uh, at the personal level uh, to to prepare if all else fails. If all of your uh, governments at, at, at the federal, state, and even local levels fail you, then well, this is what you need to do as an individual. Yeah, I think I would direct people right to the back of the book as soon as they buy it because, <laughs> quite frankly, I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. We, we, how many times do we have to live through a Hurricane Sandy or a Katrina uh, to realize, you know, the nice government folks ain't coming? That's correct. So, I mean, uh, and how long does it's it... It's going to be even worse because... It will take months, maybe years, as you pointed out earlier in your introduction, and and uh, people will not be able to survive. How, how do you what, what's involved in hardening, you know, the power grid? Well, it takes money, but it but the m- amount of money that it takes is a fraction of what uh, would be the cost uh, if we didn't. I would, you know, as I said, NASA said just from a natural event. A direct hit from a from a solar flare would cost two trillion in the first year. We're estimating it would be no more than about uh, 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 up to twenty billion dollars at most. Twenty billion. Uh, yeah. Well, the and, Fed the and, Fed and, can and, print and, that in about twenty seconds. Yeah, exactly. And you know, for for the utilities, it's been an issue of cost. And and uh, what we would like to see done is that the federal government uh, works with the states to make this a much higher priority. To start working on that now, there has been uh, the our, our federal um, uh, energy uh, regu- regulatory agency 
has now directed uh, the uh, utilities to do just that, to start hardening the grid. Now, it, it's all out for comment, and that's, this takes time and because of the democratic process. But uh, there, is, there is an effort underway right now with our what we call the FERC, Federal uh, Energy Regulatory Commission, to start taking some initiative out of concern for, for this. And I think the thing that really triggered it was cyber attacks. Now, if you can guard against a, an EMP, you can pretty much guard against a cyber attack. Cyber attack is very temporary. EMP could be permanent because of the damage and the destruction it would do to your trans, to your transformers, to your transmission lines, and, and as, as you pointed out, frying the, in many cases, frying these lines. And I would add, you know, during the Carrington event, uh, the, those telegraph poles, uh, even though they, they singed the wires and, and burned them out, they also created fires. That, 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 uh, that, that event uh, in 1859, according to accounts I've read, actually created fires uh, where the uh, telegraph, uh, right. telegraph uh, poles were. And the poles caught on fire and, and some buildings collapsed and it, 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 even then, they had effects. Of course, what people saw for the most part were uh, three days of, of beautiful aurora borealis around the world. Wow! It wasn't just right. in the north. <laughs> yeah, and and those telegraphs, those telegraphs, even though they were knocked offline because of the power surge, some of them can continue to receive and send messages without without being connected. Yes, That's right. Uh, yeah. Michael Malouf is uh, with us, uh, the author of A Nation Forsaken. Uh, EMP and um, the threat of an American catastrophe, the escalating threat of an American catastrophe. We'll take a time out, come back. We'll open up the phone lines, too, if you've got questions or comments. What can we do right now? Let's not wait for the nice government people to come and help us. Let's say there's a solar flare coming our way, something wicked this way comes in the next couple of weeks. What can we do right now to protect ourselves as we discuss the threat of an EMP event here on The Conspiracy Show. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us. Keeping an eye on the new world order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Once again, Michael Maloof is with us, former senior security policy analyst in the office of the Secretary of Defense, author of A Nation Forsaken, EMP, The Escalating Threat of an American Catastrophe, uh, Michael has almost 30 years of federal service in the U.S. Defense Department and as a specialized trainer for border guards and special forces in select countries of the Caucasus and Central Asia. While with the Department of Defense, Michael was director of technology security operations as head of a 10-person team involved in halting the diversion of military critical technologies to countries of national security and proliferation concern and those involved in sponsoring terrorism. Uh, now, I want to get back to, sh to the shielding and hardening hardening of the mm -hmm. power grids. How, you mentioned, you know, the cost, $20 billion, but how long does it take? Is it a lengthy process? Let's sure. say they get, the, they get the green light to do it. Well, if we got the green light to do it, it would take a – if it was a concerted effort, it would probably take a good five years. Uh, what's happening is that with our grid system, we're putting more and more demand on it all the time. Even though we're upgrading, we're still not putting in – putting in the hardened chips, those kind of uh, electronics that can withstand radiation. And that's the kind of thing that we need to be uh, impressing upon them to do, uh, the utilities and even uh, the, uh, the, the uh, state commissions uh, to, to uh, mandate that. And what we're trying to do now is get the states to uh, require the utilities to start doing that. Now, we've gotten some uh, positive uh, 
feedback from uh, Texas, uh, New York, uh, North Carolina, uh, Maine, certainly, and now uh, uh, Arizona in, in, in talking about preparation. But uh, it, it, Arizona's uh, situation is still not sufficient as far as uh, we're concerned, but it's the beginning, and uh, we have to. I, I do applaud them for at least recognizing this problem and, and taking the action that they have to date, and hopefully there will be follow-up. But uh, it will take it will take some time, and and all we're and we're really on borrowed time at the moment, uh, for two reasons. Number one, the sun is going through a cycle right now. It's eleven year cycle, in which we could begin to uh, uh, realize the, the most intense period, what they call a solar storm maximum, uh, and this can go on for uh, the rest of uh, this year and well into next year, uh, because it has to. Um, it has, has to degrade over time, and if that, and a flare can whip off that sun at any time, and if it's if there's a spot on the sun that's aligned with the Earth, we're we're in trouble. How can, how have so we managed far, to dodge that bullet for the last uh, 100 160 well, years? On, well, we're past due. Uh, they estimate they they came in about once every 100 to 150 years, so we're we're on borrowed time right now. And how dependent is the the, the, the defense system on the on these power grids. One would assume that they would have their own sort of you know well, uh, a power grid system that would be heavily shielded. But how dependent are they on the the, the power grid that uh, the rest of us poor slobs are? Well, all of our military bases in the United States uh, rely upon the civilian grid ninety nine percent. Oh my gosh, it, it's it's almost laughable if it weren't so tragic. The implications. Well, what they have done is hardened some of their weapon systems, uh, some of your offensive weapon systems, your, your, the F-35s, the, uh, the B-2s, but not the, not the bases, not the, uh, they're, they're working on microgrids, but that's a very experimental thing. I would add that hospitals would be dramatically affected as well, but, uh, but, but, uh, the, in, in terms of uh, preparedness and readiness, this is of concern. Now, the one, the one other thing that, uh, we, we noticed, uh, You'll recall that there was a North Korean ship that was um, uh, halted in the Panama Canal had just come out of Cuba. Right, I what remember that. On, what, they, what they found was an SA-2, which is a surface-to-air missile. It's an old Soviet-era missile. And, and during the Cuban Missile Crisis in 62, the, the emphasis and the focus was on the, the surface-to-surface missiles that were taken out. But they were not focused on this surface-to-air missile, which is nuclear-capable. It'll get the job done. It may be old, but it'll, it'll get, get the job done. It'll get the job done. And it was going, and we assess that Cuba has maybe about 100 of these right now because they were never taken out. And if they're being sent back and forth to North Korea for, up, for uh, uh, modernizing and upgrading, then it's a problem. We used to have a, uh, this idea of mutually agreed destruction. Now, when it comes to EMP, mm -hmm. let's say warfare uh, based on EMP events, uh, are the, the enemies of, uh, NATO, let's say call them NATO and NORAD's enemies, real or perceived, are their power grids as equally vulnerable? Yes. Yep. Okay. Uh, there, there's the, the, all the power. If you're relying upon the electrical grid system, uh, they, they don't have independent grid systems. What they are working, what they are working on, of course, they have generators. But you know, dependent upon how much fuel you have to fuel that generator, if it doesn't have any electron, electronics in it, uh, it could it could go out within a week. Same with hospitals. Uh, 
hospitals will Im- Im- immediately uh, switch over to the uh, generators and, and run for about three to five days. Uh, the same, and what should also be of concern to people when your uh, nuclear power stations, they indeed they, yes. they could they they can cause uh, overheating and uh, and then you have and meltdowns and you would have uh, Fukushima's all over the place. Oh my word! And, the, and a lot of them are built on not just on, on on your fault lines, but if an EMP were to hit, and again they have they they work on generators as well, and again their their limitation is the amount of fuel that's available to fuel them. And if you have an EMP, the ability to uh, transport fuel, to receive fuel, will also be uh, greatly uh, hampered. Which of the you may not be able to get it all. No, no, indeed. Which of the two um, causes of an EMP has you most worried uh, on this particular day? Is it the solar flare or is it a terrorist attack? Uh, not not so much a terrorist attack. I would say a solar flare right now because it can happen at any time. We're right in the midst of that, and and our our national grid system uh, setup is is so overtaxed right now and vulnerable. You know, if a squirrel can uh, uh, knock out a line in Ohio and, and take out the East Coast, that's pretty se- serious and pretty sad. And that's exactly what's happened. How, how so, much uh, advance notice would we have? None. None. Oh well, you would have a few hours seeing the flare coming down, but uh, you would not. You you wouldn't have absolutely no time to prepare. No time to prepare. You would have warning that something was coming down, and it travels at terrific speeds. Uh, you're talking hours. Well, when we so, when we come back, Michael, we'll have about 15 minutes to prepare our listeners. Okay. <laughs> a Herculean task, but we'll do our best. Back with more okay. of my conversation with Michael Malouf, the author of A Nation Forsaken, EMP, the Escalating Threat of an American Catastrophe. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. Exploring theories, uncovering facts, and offering a different view of the universe. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. It goes without saying, we're not here to to cause mass panic, but this threat is real. Uh, it's not getting the attention that it deserves. We're talking about uh, the, uh, the imminent threat of an EMP, an electronic or electromagnetic pulse event, which could knock out power grids. Uh, across the continent, leaving us to freeze in the dark for a decade, perhaps. It would take that long, conceivably, to bring the power back on, to bring the lights back on. Uh, and just think about how all of our activity is so dependent upon electricity. The delivery of essential services, food, fresh water, fuel, medicine, police services, fire services, defense, all dependent on the grid. And once it goes down, the delivery of all of those things comes to a grinding, sudden halt back in the dark ages. What do you do? Michael Malouf is with us. And again, the book is A Nation Forsaken, EMP, The Escalating Threat of an American Catastrophe. Let's call it a North American Catastrophe. We're all in the same boat here. So let's flip to the back of the book quickly, Michael. Uh, what do we do? Let's say we live in an urban center. What do you recommend we do? Well, people are limited by uh, what they what what resources they have, and uh, 
if they can stock up some stuff and, and also have alternative plans, they should have a plan in effect on where to go and what to do because uh, uh, the urban centers are going to become uninhabitable before very long, and uh, and it's going to be it's going to be chaos. Uh, I'm afraid. So we need a rural retreat. We need a rural Basically. retreat. Basically, you need one. And one of the things that I mentioned in the book is that there should be predetermined um, plans already mapped out by communities on what, where to go for food, water, medic, med, medicines. People only keep about a month's worth of uh, medication on hand. And uh, and they, there should be prescribed places only only because you have to assume that all communications will be knocked out. People should be informed where they need to report to and where, what they need to do so that uh, otherwise it's just people are going to be uh, running around uh, like crazy. Uh, and, you, and we've seen it just with uh, other natural disasters on a, on a far lesser scale. And, well, uh, but but you're saying you know if but if every, if everyone is is trying to get out of dodge and get to their cottage or get to their cave or wherever, I mean that's mm-hmm. going to be chaos too, won't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it, it, there's there's no happy ending to this. It's the beginning. It's going to be the beginning of the end, basically. It's uh, it would be a very catastrophic development. So, I mean, there then there is an argument uh, for sort of grouping together in a community, rather than everyone heading off to their you know their fifty acres and. Uh, well, well, if you have a place, that's fine. If not, communities, even within the urban environment, need to uh, organize and, and be able to know what to do, where to go, and uh, and how to how to proceed and. Uh, but but no one's or, no one's that organized anywhere that I'm that I'm aware of. No, and uh, I mean unless you um, are adept at uh, you know self dentistry and uh, um, uh, advanced uh, first aid, uh, you know carpentry, all of those things, and if you can't do it on your own, no, you cannot. Uh, that's why we need to really. Uh, and the book talks about some of the. Survivalist inst- uh, things that we, sh- we should be bringing back. Our, our survivalist instincts are gone because of because of uh, technology. We've relied upon technology for so long in our in our day and age that uh, uh, we really don't know how to uh, survive uh, such a, such an event if we were catapulted back to the 19th century. Let's say you have some electronics, um, I don't know, a, a hand crank radio or something like that. I mean, they would be vulnerable as well, I'm guessing. How do you how do you protect uh, those valuable pieces of equipment that, that would come in really, a generator, for example? How do you protect yeah, well, that the, stuff? Well, it's there are such things as Faraday cages. Uh, they could become expensive. They're, they're basically are sealed steel boxes. And you would, you would want to have your uh, a spare phone with batteries and uh, and a, and a radio already in the in the um, uh, Faraday cage in order to just to, in case something happens because if you're on the if you're on your uh, cell phone and 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 this event occurs uh, it's out that that uh, that phone's broken and uh, it, you won't be able to use it again it's simply because of the electronics that are in it now and and, and I would add. Uh, even even the ability to communicate uh, the, the transmissions of it, it will be will be affected. Now in the United States, they they have been working on an emergency system, and I don't know that it's up to speed to, to deal with an EMP. This is when the president comes on and uh, announces an emergency and all that the emergency uh, 
um, emergency system, national emergency system. Uh, it's not up to speed for to deal with an EMP. Uh, we just received this email from a, um, a listener who goes by um, the handle The Dude, and he writes, uh, in the USA and Canada, hams, ham radio operators, do a 24-hour emergency disaster communication drill every third weekend in June called Field Day. Uh, and then he says, okay, fourth weekend in June. In a nutshell, thousands of stations set up portable or mobile two-way stations that must work off-grid. So you can use a vehicle generator, battery, solar, etc., to set up a multi-band station and make as many contacts as possible in a 24-hour period. And the dude says he's done quite a few of these with various amateur radio groups, um, or he's laid, lo- loaded his radios and gear loan, I think he means, his radios and gear out to those groups uh, if he had to work. Uh, are you familiar with these, these field day uh, events? I've, I've heard of them. Uh, again, if there's electronics in their system, they're going to get knocked out. Right, unless they're properly shielded in a Faraday cage. Uh, unless, uh, exactly. Now, if you have a, if if your if your plan is to get out of Dodge, uh, so this thing, this EMP event occurs, how are you going to get out of Dodge? I mean, the electronic components in your car are going to be fried. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's true too. Well, I I think we need to bring back the the, the civil defense systems that we used to have during the fifties at the uh, beginning of the Cold War. We really need to re-institute re, uh, those, put them in the community so that people know where to report to and where to go. There, there you had food that was stocked and, and people were, uh, people drilled and they, uh, they, they had, um, the means to, uh, uh, survive. Uh, this is, this is in, in lieu of, uh, the government doing nothing about hardening the system. If we're able to harden the system, then you mitigate the problem tremendously. And, and it should be done on on a priority basis with your communications and what have you. But none of that has none of that is being done right now. So I think in in, in lieu of that, the states ought to uh, come back in with uh, uh, local civil defense uh, facilities where people know where they can report to, and everything is set up and stocked, uh, ready to go uh, in, in in the event of such a any event. Would you would you say that this is the number one threat to our security right now? Right now, yes, because if we if we had an EMP uh, uh, attack or even an EMP event, uh, it's, it's, our ability to, to respond uh, would be very, very limited. We, first of all, we may not even know where, the, where it came from. Uh, let's say if it was a man-made event. We may not even know who instigated it uh, unless we had some really great intelligence and that's questionable. And you say that they've uh, known about this for the last 50 years, yet have done virtually nothing about it. Correct. We had, in, in 2008, the, uh, uh, there was a congressionally mandated EMP commission that talked about what the impact of, a, of, a, uh, of an EMP event would be on our life-sustaining critical infrastructures. And it was devastating. And it would be a cascading effect. You knock out one of those critical infrastructures, it affects all of them. And we're talking, we're talking quite a number of them, uh, uh, anywhere from eight to eighteen, depending upon what you're looking at. I mean, we're talking about, uh, in addition to the uh, uh, the grid system, our telecommunications, our banking and finance systems. I mean, it can knock out your databases. You wouldn't even know how much money you had in your in your accounts. Uh, it can knock out the petroleum and uh, uh, natural gas uh, delivery systems, our transportation system, uh, food and water delivery emergency services, as well as our space systems, among others. 
all of these would be affected instantly. So obviously you want to have a little, uh, well, I mean, I'd say you'd have a little cash on hand, but um, for what? I well, mean, it's going to be bedlam. Yeah, for what? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, the cash would be worthless. People are going to want your guns. They're going to want your food. They're going to want uh, your medications and and, uh, and any other possessions you might have. And if you have shielded, let's say you've taken steps and you've shielded your generator, so your generator is operating, and it's, I mean, that's just going to be a beacon to all those marauding gangs out there uh, to yes. come to your place. Yeah, and that's why we feel, you know, we have we have uh, our Second Amendment uh, right to bear arms and what have you in the United States. I think Canada has a different situation. Oh, we gave that up uh, a long time ago. Yes. Well, well, what are you going to do if uh, these gangs could start roaming? How do you defend yourself? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, we cower under the bed and call nine one one. Oh shoot, we can't do that either. No, cannot do that. Uh, can do. You know, it's it's frustrating. Well, it's beyond frustrating to know that they've known. I say they, the government, has known about this for 50 years. They've done almost nothing. You've described this right. as the number one threat, and yet, what are they pouring their resources into? Training TSA officials to pat down 90-year-old Amish grandmothers in case they have a shoe bomb. Uh, it's right. just it's maddening. Well, there's no priorities. Uh, we we have no priorities anywhere these days, and you can just see by the confusion that we're having to deal with. On a daily basis, in terms of our uh, of our national and foreign policies, there are, there are none. We're only reacting to events. We we don't have a plan, and we should we should have plans uh, for for these kinds of events. And uh, we're 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 not thinking in those in those terms. Uh, we we uh, uh, there's supposed to be a hearing uh, next week in the U.S. House on uh, on on EMP. They're going to have the hearing. The utilities will object, and that'll be the end of it. Every year this happens, and then nothing ever occurs. Now, we've had what, what's called the SHIELD Act to, to pass the House about three times, never passed the Senate, U.S. Senate. Uh, the SHIELD Act would mandate uh, hardening, hardening of, uh, of everything uh, so that um, uh, we, we would be able to withstand an EMP. Yeah. As I said, we're not going to go away, get away uh, uh, without a scratch, but we can at least guard the most critical infrastructures that, w that we would have to rely upon until which time we can come back. Our, our transformers, for example, our very large transformers are all foreign-made, and we it takes on a it takes about three years to get another one in. We don't keep them in surplus because of their tremendous cost, and they have to be specially designed. Look at what happened down in San Jose. People were shooting out transformers. They shot out 17 transformers with an AK-47. Right. They still don't know who did it. Now, was this a prelude to something larger that's to come? Well, who knows? I mean, that's that's the thinking of some of us, that uh, this is a possibility of a, of a domestic terrorism on a larger scale that could occur by hitting those transformers. And the uh, DHS had a, I think it was DHS, had a report that was uh, leaked that basically said if you hit nine transformers in the United States, and they, they would not identify those nine transformers. If you hit those, then uh, it would knock out all electricity in the United States. Wow, what a lovely scenario uh, you've painted for us. Um, Michael, mm -hmm. listen, I appreciate the time you've spent with us tonight. And again, the book is A Nation Forsaken, EMP, The Escalating Threat of an American Catastrophe. It's available through WorldNet Daily Books, or WND now, we, we should call it, WND. Yes. Thank you again, Michael. Well, thanks for having me, Richard. Appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, the website, richardserrett.com. Hey, don't forget to subscribe. I get to 500 uh, subscribers, and I'll start uh, publishing the weekly newsletter. 
In the meantime, follow the truth.